Welcome to Talking Football with Harry and Dylan, a new podcast bringing all the playground football talk to a weekly podcast. I'm Harry Winters, a Manchester City supporter. And I'm Dylan Snyder, a Manchester United supporter. And well, despite the fact there is no current football being played due to the coronavirus outbreak, we've got loads coming up for you on our first podcast. We're going to be discussing the footballing contingency plans and what the Premier League should do after a 56-day plan was announced by the EFL, the controversial club votes in Scotland and the ratification of the decision to avoid the non-league season by the FA. And given the postponement of the European Championships, we're going to name the teams we would have used in the game against Croatia, even though that's no longer happening. And on top of that, we're also going to be discussing who might benefit from the additional year. I'm also going to be talking about the best low-cost options for Fantasy Premier League. And we're going to introduce you you to our player picker debate as we debate who was better, Sergio Aguero or Wayne Rooney. And we will also ask, would Neymar make it in the Premier League? So let's get straight into it on Talking Football with Harry and Dylan. Dylan, what do you think the Premier League should do? Well, obviously, they've got a number of options. Obviously, playing it behind closed doors in June, once they check everyone's healthy and they've all had coronavirus tests and checked. But as you say, football's nothing about fans. So, obviously, there can be an argument once this will be a long time, this coronavirus, there's not a vaccine in place. So, there's an option to null and void, which I'm going to go for because... There's, there's not a chance that this will be over by June where fans can attend. And a few managers have come out and said that football's nothing about fans, as Pep, Pep Guardiola said. So um, I'm going to have to go null and void. It's quite harsh on Liverpool considering they they have been the best team in the league this season by, by a long mile. By a well, long mile. Well, I kind of think Liverpool is still in the league and I think we will get the season done one way or another. I don't think we'll see fans in a stadium for a long time. So I think we can forget that element. But I think behind closed doors is a real option. I mean, ESPN were talking about the resumption being on June the 6th, which is the same uh, date planned by the EFL and their 56-day plan to finish their season because they've got to go through all the playoffs and everything. So they've got quite a lot more to do than the Premier League. But I think the Premier League of got this like five week period that's been spoken about which I think will be really important because if they can get it done behind closed doors I think we might as well just get it finished move on because there's no point this being like a burden hanging over us it's just going to affect us so if we can we just want to get it done so we can just kind of get on with it and then next season start afresh and just accept this year we've got winners we've got losers but we've got it completed let's just get it away and just start afresh know that we're fine because we can't have this lagging on for months and months and months, which the outbreak might well yeah. do. So if there's an option to go and, you know, finish it, we just need to get it finished. Yeah, correct. And also, you need to pay off that $700 million in uh, TV broadcasts that we haven't finished yet. So, um, obviously, the Premier League clubs won't be happy due to their financial situations. I mean, that's if, the other thing. The finances if, yeah. here is ridiculous, which correct. is madness. $700 million. Mm-hmm. But then there's other issues because if you look at uh, the supposed things from FIFA, players who are out of contract at the end of the season, they've got to go on the 30th of June. And that five-week period from the 6th doesn't take us to that date, which means you're potentially losing big players, certain teams. So City would lose David Silva because he's out of contract at the end of the season. Um, United, United would use a Galo, depending yeah, on what's in it. So it's in really interesting what would happen. And especially it the teams be. lower down the bottom because lots of their 
key players are on loan. And to think in the most vital weeks for survival, you would lose the players you've yeah. got on loans is really quite serious. So there's a lot of thinking that's got to be done there. Um, but if you look at the other stuff, what would you say to do something like Scotland did? So they're going to go with this decision to like curtail the season like it is now. However, that's got controversy over voting, of course, because we all know it's a bit of a drama yeah. when it comes to stuff in Scotland. But they want to relegate them at relegate teams they want to crown Celtic the champions Rangers are happy with that which I think it would be difficult but I've got a feeling because Liverpool are so far ahead here that I don't think teams would really have a problem with just giving them the league given how far superior they've yeah. been this season you you wouldn't have a problem giving Liverpool the league but the problem is down below at relegation for example Villa are in the relegation zone and they've they've completed two less games than who who's ahead of them and uh, it would it'd be really really unfair for them so you've got to Maybe you you wouldn't do the relegated teams and you would bring up the two promoted from the championship or if they have a playoff the championship plan and you'd make it a 23 league season with 23 teams and 46 games like they used to. But again, that would, I'm not sure that how would that would mean that we're practice. potentially cramming more games into an exactly. season next year. Or maybe maybe you scrap the League Cup. Because there's there's a few options for that. And but then you if you're talking about that, finances, a, a cup run from teams lower down in other leagues, yeah, that finance is vital, especially if they've lost so much recently. But you were interested to spell out Villa. So Villa played 28 games compared to everyone else around them who's played 29. Villa sit in 19th on 25 points. Say they win that game in hand. They go to 28 Sheffield. points. They yeah. go to 28 points and jump up to, to 17th. Um, Seventeenth place, which is really interesting, and you say Sheffield, who the game was against, they've also got a game in hand. And given against, the current state yeah. with um, the city. city in the Champions <laughs> League, yeah, um, say they won that, they would jump into that fifth place, meaning they would potentially, remarkably, Be... potentially <laughs> have a Champions League spot next season or if season we were to go having. and say, and say, right, let's finish it on, let's get everyone to play twenty nine points. So we need to play two games. City need to play. Sheffield need to play. Villa need to play. Arsenal and um, an Arsenal need to play, and then you do that, and then you've got we say we've played ten less games. This is how it's finishing. Sheffield, you're going in the Champions League. Villa, you've stayed up. Watford, you're going down. So it would be really interesting if they were to do that. But I think that would be quite controversial it would in be itself very because then you'd have people saying, "Well, I can't, United would go. I've missed out. United Wolves, actually, I've missed out on a Champions League place because you haven't finished the season. And ten games is a lot. It's not like there's only yeah, three, a lot, four a lot games left in ten games. Thirty points to play for. A lot can happen. Thirty points is a very big difference between where you finish, where how you can do. Obviously, United are having a very good run at the minute, so. It's upsetting for them to stop here because we've obviously won nine nine games in the last eleven. So it's it's quite um, unfortunate for us mm-hmm. considering our our recent amazing form. So totally. And then Liverpool say they were to carry on their amazing form and win those thirty games, they would hit a record point yeah. value of one hundred twelve. And it would be really disheartening for them to think, ah, we're going to not reach that record. Of course. And then even. But then you say that 30 points is so much. United could reach, what, 75 points. That's a yeah. big total. So it, it's a problem. And I think they've got to find a way to resolve it. They because do. I feel it wouldn't be fair to not finish the season for some. But I think they've got to do it. Because at the end of the day, if you were to tell me in a few weeks' time, football will return. I don't think anyone's ready for football to return. No. Well, I, I would be ready in June if uh, everything uh, goes 
goes into plan and they do choose a, a June behind closed doors in a five week period, let's say. But also, but then you can't really have behind closed doors without having, I think, what, 50 to 200 people in the stadium when you talk about camera crews, talk about match day staff. Yeah, and 200 people in the stadium, that is dangerous with the current climate. So I think it's a problem. So maybe just it's really check difficult. everyone coming in and out yeah, of the Yeah, but stadium. then you've got the debate, why should players be allowed to get a test when NHS staff can't get a test? And that would be really weird to think. Players are playing football getting a coronavirus test and there's people on the front line saving lives with people who are very ill with a virus who can't get a test so there's a lot of stuff to balance there's a lot of controversy but but yeah we want football back but it's got to be at the right time and the right way because cramming a load of games in behind closed doors especially because don't forget the players have been off for a while so they need a pre-season themselves they do so it's quite difficult to think. Uh, it's not like we can go, right, in two days' time, let's play a game of football. I say for players will need between 10 days to two weeks to get back into the feel of it with training regimes and everything. Yeah. So there's only so much you can do at home, I even know. in their like, big exactly. housing. Weather. And also, you've got, you got to go into the argument of null and void. It just completely writes off the season. So everything happening that season, stats, goals, like anything, it just gets written off and forgotten about. So for example, Rashford's had his best season. His 14 goals and five assists won't be counted for in the record books, which... I mean, you can talk about Rashford, look at Liverpool. Yeah, I'm talking about Rashford because I'm a United <laughs> fan. I, I know it'd be... A, we've already talked about Liverpool when uh, the null and void, it would be terrible, terrible for them. Terrible. Their, their first Premier League, they should have got, and it's just completely <laughs> gone. Everything. But then if you go further down... In the relegate. championship, yeah. etc., there's a horrible thing there because you're stopping teams getting promoted, exactly, like Leeds, um, which is they're, they're, they're yeah, unbelievable stay in the championship over the last 15 years have just gone away. That that this is the best shot that they've got, and uh, just written off, and they have to restart next season in the championship when they should be going up. Yeah, you got Leeds, you got West Brom, yeah, and then I suppose then you could talk about this 23 team thing where you well 22 team where you push yeah. up the top two um you probably wouldn't have the third team that come no. up because 23 might be just a bit too much so i'd say 22 bring up those two um don't relegate anyone and i suppose that could work if teams are willing to play some more we have leeds and west so say that leeds and west brom come up yeah nobody gets relegated we have a more competitive season next year but then that also has a bit of a balance on records and stuff because say you get a certain record you'd be like ah oh, well we had an extra so many games yeah exactly so I think it'd be really difficult but overall what would you say the Premier League should do that definitely just when everything's safe to do so and just continue playing and finish out and see see off the remaining games because obviously you've got the 700 million to pay and everyone wants football back don't they don't not avoid it whatever you do don't not avoid yeah, it I, 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 I can't see them null and voiding no, it. I, I think they'll find a way around it. But I think the most likely thing would be to um, return behind closed doors and just accept yeah. that and watch from watch from afar from behind your TVs. Hopefully they'll put something in place where we could all see the games yeah. and um, we'll be able to just watch some football and whatever it is. And then when it comes to it, we'll worry about the likes of the Champions League and stuff. The Champions League has got its own problems. Yeah, because that's a different argument. It's very argument. difficult to make teams travel. Very different argument. That's a completely different argument entirely for another time. Yeah. But I think we're both in agreement there that when it's safe, football is to come back behind Definitely. closed doors. Well, now it's time for me to introduce you to a weekly feature on the incredible fantasy football. And this week, I'm looking at the best bargains. I'm now going to take you through five people that I've drawn up and I'm going to tell you why you should sign them as your budget options. So, first of all, we have Ismail Assar. 
No midfielder in the league has recorded as many shots inside the box and big chances under Nigel Pearson. For his price, you have to snap him up. Also, one thing to mention about Ismail Asar, he is just quick, clever, and has everything to him. He shoots, and especially that, that game against Liverpool, where he got 19 points with two goals, one assist, and three bonuses. So his next fixtures is Newcastle, Norwich, Leicester, Southampton, and Burnley. There's surely some goals coming in against those fixtures, and I'm not surprised if he even bags two or more. He's, he's that good of a player, and that under form, under... Nigel Pearson. Another big chance at Chelsea means he is the only player in the league who is on a streak of at least one big chance per game for eight successive game weeks. In in his time in this Premier League, he's had 13 goals and one assist. This is a lot of FBL points and he gets a lot of bonuses. His next fixtures are Southampton, Liverpool, Leicester, Wolves and Norwich. And there's certainly room for, for more goals looking at those fixtures. Next, we have Willy Bolly. Four clean sheets in the last five games for Wolves. For 4.8 million, Willy Bolly is the anchor of their defence. He's got a lot of goal scoring threat and is very good in the air and has, picks up a lot of good bonus points for it. His next fixtures are Everton, Bournemouth, Arsenal, Villa and Sheffield United. This gives room for high clean sheet potential considering Villa, Sheffield United and Everton and Bournemouth don't really score a lot of goals. And due to Wolves' Wolves's defensive record in the last five game weeks, I'm not surprised he'll get three out of five clean sheets in them fixtures. Also room for high bonus points there. Next we have Lachelles. Only 4.3 million so can be, so can be used as a sub and can be draft, drafted in for his good fixtures at home. So three clean sheets in the last five for Newcastle and Lachelles means he is a bargain at 4.3 million and their home record defensively Newcastle certainly means that you need to pick him up. West Ham United at home, Sheffield United at home and Aston Villa at home in the next three. Surely he can go three out of three there for clean sheets. Then Watford and Bournemouth after that away from home. So really, really good fixtures for Newcastle. Next we have Holgate. He's got a high goal scoring threat due to his height prowess at corners. and He, he plays in midfield occasionally. Only at 4.3 million so it can be also be used as a sub when, when the fixture difficulty is high. Everton's high clean sheet potential in the last few games under, under Ancelotti means that he's, he's going to be a huge hit for the, your defence. A, a, a few of these fixtures, a few of his next fixtures are clean sheet potential, the likes of Wolves and Norwich and Southampton. So definitely pick him up whilst you can. No, I'm fascinated, Dylan, by... Um the Everton players because you've got Calvert-Lewin you've got Holgate there who yeah. were pretty dire for the most part of the season then Angelotti's yeah, come in and all of a sudden they're finding form they're starting to show some potential as players definitely and um, they started Calvert-Lewin in particular there was a lot of talk about him being like the next big striker and um, he's starting to yeah. show a bit of that with his recent performances so uh, he's doing great Definitely um, worth getting in there. And then again, we have yeah, Lascelles with Newcastle. Newcastle, again, we're under Steve Bruce, the typical sort of Steve Bruce thing. Yeah, five Good, the solid back, defence you know. <laughs> with five at the back. So, yeah, yeah, so interesting. Uh, we hope that some of you, when football returns, will uh, be able to get some well, of them, pick them up into your fancy team. The Euros have understandably been pushed back a year, but say the Euros were happening this year, what would your starting 11s have been for that first game? 
We've been asking you to send yours in, and we're going to read them out. We've also got Noah, who's uh, joining us and going to go through what side he would have played against Croatia. But um, Dylan, what would your starting team have been for that first European Championship okay. game? Thank you, Harry. So I'm going for a 4 3 3 formation with a defensive mid behind the two central mids. So I'm starting with Henderson in net, Wan Bissaka at right, right back, the two centre backs being Gomez and Maguire, the left back being Saka, the defensive mid being Rice, the two central mids, Henderson and Grealish, Grealish on the left, and then Sancho, Kane, and Rashford as my front three. Right. So my big question is Saka because he's yeah, 18 years of age. And, I know um, it's a controversial one. We're so rich in that position currently with so many talented fullbacks who can play on both sides for England. Correct. So why are you going with someone who has only been in the Premier League for less than a year, is 18 years of age, is going to have loads more occasions? Mm-hmm. So surely there's better options and more experienced options given the fact England are kind uh, of quite well up here and there's been an awful lot of success two years ago at the World Cup. Correct. Why on earth are you going with Saka? Well, I'd put him in for one game and see how he can cope with the uh, the pressure of England. I just feel like nothing phases him. He's got a really good attacking threat. He's got that direct flair and his crossing ability is, is brilliant. And also his defensive ability at such a young age and such an unnatural position when he first started there. I just feel like he can cope with the sort of pressure. And I also feel like Chilwell has been quite inconsistent the, the, the latter part of the season when Leicester haven't been performing. So I've gone Saka as an experiment there. Well, on top of that, you also want to include Declan Rice. And I the do. midfield, again, is a really big, rich area for players of talent for England. Um, I'm shocked that you haven't gone with someone like James Madison over Declan Rice, no. especially given the poor form of West Ham recently. I know, but Declan Rice, he's a def- I-, I want to put him in the defensive mid. I want England to have that anchor that can drop in defence, can spread the ball wide, and that's what Declan Rice can do. He can drop in defence when we're when we're on the defence, and he can drop it. He can he can attack as well with his uh, crossing and his passing ability, and also his interceptions is, is very good. I've seen the stats, and I just feel like he's a complete DM and uh, something that we want for England, especially when we have Saka at left back. So Rice can drop into DM when Saka's going forward, or even Wamba Saka going forward. But I don't think Rambasaka needs to go forward considering his defensive ability and Sancho being on that side. So, yes, I've gone with Rice because he is a very sturdy DM. Right, well, I've gone with something a little bit different. So, um, I'm going with Jordan Pickford in net. Then I'm going with uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Gomez, Maguire and Chilwell across the back four. I've then got Henderson, Grealish and Madison. And then then I'm putting Kane, Rashford and Sterling in right, my right. attack because I, I think Raheem, I, I, I just think Pickford yes but Sterling has to be in there right Harry I want to pick apart Sterling and Pickford here so especially Pickford we've got two very good England goalkeepers ahead of him this season on form Pope and Henderson tell me why he went Pickford considering his inconsistent goalkeeping a... this season well because Players perform in big games, and um, although he's struggled this season, um, what he did for England at the World Cup, you cannot forget that. Um, Henderson has only really been challenged in the Premier League. We haven't seen him in that big tournament 
in, a, in living up to a big tournament standard. And Jordan Pickford did that consistently in Russia in 2018. And I think you've got to remember that and have that back in the back of your head. Yes, he struggled, but all players have times and like blips here, just like Sterling. But Sterling still gets in there because like Pickford, they were key parts to England's uh, like semi-successes okay. at the World Cup. Okay, so but... you've got to stick with your roots and your foundations. Okay, but can't you say the same about Jesse Lingard? Unbelievable World Cup, also struggled. A lot this Jesse season. Lingard's been longer than I, f- I feel Jesse Lingard's been struggling longer than this season and I think the other problem is Lingard struggles to actually really be imp- impactful on a game Pickford although he's poor still makes big saves for Everton and he has seemed to have turned a corner along with the whole Everton side yep. like we were saying before in the fantasy football um, just like since Carlo and Josh has come in they've all seemed to have upped the game a bit and I think Pickford's done that but um, we're going to talk later about who that additional year will benefit and I think this next year will be massive for, for Pickford, even though I would have played him this year. Having him for the next year, knowing he can get his form back, he's got a chance to take back that number one jersey and just make sure he is England's number one for next summer. Um, and Raheem Sterling the same. I think he struggled this season, but I think he'll be back to his best next season. And hopefully um, he'll be a key part of England's hopeful successes. But now okay. we've got Noah on the phone. Hello, Noah. Hi, Harry. Hi, Dylan. Hello, Noah. Um, so we're going to ask you because you were one of several people to send in there your your England 11s for what would have been this summer's first game against Croatia. So um, go ahead, tell us what you would have gone with. Yeah, well, my team is quite similar to Dylan's. I'm sticking with Henderson in goal because, quite frankly, I just don't think Pitford or Pope have been good enough this season to even compete with Jordan Henderson. Not Jordan Henderson, Dean Henderson. Sorry, um, I always get confused between the two. I've gone with Wan Bissaka. Right. I've gone with Wan Bissaka at right back because he's just been class this season. If you look at him in in games, his tackling ability is just on another level. Um, and I've gone with the same defensive pairing of both of you, Maguire and Gomez. And um, I've gone with Luke Shaw at left back, which I know is a bit right, of a so controversial actually, let's one. Stop you there. Let's stop you there, Luke Shaw. I'm sorry, we were talking about with Dylan how incredible England are and how lucky they are with the amount of potential they've got a fullback. And you're probably putting England's worst option in your first game at a European Championships at Wembley, which just seems ridiculous. Well, there's, as you said, there is quite a lot of left-back options. There's Chilwell, there's Saka, there's, I've even seen someone put Danny Rose in as a left-back option. There's Williams. <laughs> yeah, you could even, yeah, there's you, could, you could even have Brandon Williams. I just think that Luke Shaw, towards the latter end of his season at United, has just been absolutely class. And if you were to have the tournament this summer, I think you have to have a defender that's on form. And I personally can't think of another left-back that's on a better form than Luke Shaw at the moment. And what about Brandon Williams? Yeah, Brandon Williams as well, but he is inexperienced in big games. He's too young. Yeah, he's too young. And yeah, you can't talk about too young when you want to put Saka in there, can you? I know, but Saka's an experiment because of the inconsistencies of the other left backs and his attacking flair. When you when you when you need an attacking left back, go with Saka. Fair enough. Uh, Noah, do you want to carry on with your midfield? Yeah, well, attack? I just want to I just want to say, well, the joy of the Euros is you've got loads of different teams. You wouldn't play an inexperienced player like Saka or Brandon Williams against big teams like France, Germany, or Portugal. However. In the Euros, you would get smaller teams that you'd come up against, like Czech Republic, Slovakia, teams like that. And that's when you will have the opportunity to play those younger players like Williams, like Saka, and then give them a chance at tournaments for them to be more experienced later on. But 
it, for, for big games, you have to go with players that can play in those big games, like Luke Shaw, in my opinion. And I just wouldn't go for someone inexperienced like Saka. Um, yeah. Yeah, my midfield. Do you want to go for yeah. midfield? I've also gone with Jordan Henderson as the central defensive midfielder. I'm glad I got that one right. And Madison and Grealish <laughs> as the attacking midfielders. Same same as Dylan, I'm pretty sure. And the same uh, attacking front three as Sancho, Kane and Rashford. Right. Okay. Now, you're not the only person to have uh, given us some lineups. So, um, Dylan, do you want to go through a couple? Yep. So, I'm going to read out Jamie's. Jamie, thank you for the submission. We've got Henderson, Chilwell, Maguire, Gomez, Wambasaka, Jordan Henderson, Grealish, Trent in a midfield position, which is a is a very interesting experiment for Jamie. Sancho, Rashford, Kane as a front three. So Jamie, that's, I think that's a very interesting team. I would personally ask you about Trent, but obviously you're not here. So I'm just going to say Trent in midfield is a very bold statement considering his passing ability. And I wouldn't be surprised if you put him there. But obviously he's very inexperienced in that position. So I'd go with someone else like Madison. But really good team otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Jasper, who uh, interestingly has gone with Nick Pope in goal. Uh, with Nick Pope, then Wambasaka, Maguire, Gomez, Chilwell as a uh, back four. Grealish, Henderson and Madison in the midfield. And then a front three of Sancho, Kane and Rashford. And I think we can talk about Henderson getting ahead of Pickford. I don't think Pope stands a chance there. I think um, Burnley have struggled this season. They've been leaking goals when they're usually so good defensively, especially at home. So I'm really surprised that he thinks Pope should go ahead. Okay. Got any more there, Dylan? So now we've got Misha's submission. So we've got Pickford, Trent, Stones, Maguire, Chilwell, Winks, Henderson, Madison, Sterling, Kane, Rashford. So I'm very intrigued about Stones, Misha. Why would you put him there considering his form this season, his, his shameful form this season? Like, he's really, really not been good at all. I think that's very, very underwhelming. I mean, he struggled. He has I th- I struggled. Think, I think he's. Yeah, I think he struggled. He struggled with injury. He struggled to find any sort of form because once he starts exactly. playing, he's being, again. he's being played but, ahead. Um, Fernandinho, who's who's normally a defensive mid, is playing ahead of him. Who's thirty-four year old defensive mid, and he can't get ahead. He can't get a game over Fernandinho. I just why why it should is. he get a it game over Joe Gomez, who's formed a an an amazing solid partnership with Van Dijk. So I can see Gomez and Maguire doing that. So why Stones? Yeah, no, you're completely right. And then she, she's also interested in with Harry Winks, which I think is really interesting because we were speaking to know about this idea of Luke Shaw going there. Winks is another one who personally is one of the weakest to rank all the fullback options for England. But um, I suppose that's how it is. We've had some more come in. Um, Jake has gone with Henderson, Wambasaka, Maguire, Gomez, Chilwell, Madison, Henderson, Ali, interestingly, Sancho, yeah. Rashford, Kane, um, yeah, and Jacob, who's gone with Henderson, Trent, Maguire, Stones, Rose, interestingly, another fullback who could potentially have gone in there. Henderson, Chamberlain, Madison, Sterling, Kane, and, and Sancho. You got we got Aaron. Yeah, have you got one more? Uh, very interesting team here, Aaron. Henderson, Maguire, Stones, Wambasaka. I assume that's a back three of Wambasaka at the right centre back. Trent, Henderson, Oxlade, Chamberlain, Rashford, Sancho, Sterling, Kane. Very, very attacking team. And it just lacks uh, midfield options. So it could be very uh, unbalanced. But interesting team. I like it. It could be a good mm-hmm. experiment. 
yeah, thank you everyone for getting involved. Particularly thank you to Noah thank for you, uh, Noah. joining us on this call and going through uh, his thank, team with Thank us. you both for having and, me. Um, that's no good. Problem. So um, next week we'll let you know what the debate is, but carry on to get involved on our social media. Um, thanks again for all those submissions. And um, hopefully next season, or next year, we'll have a really good European Championship. Yeah, let's hope. Undoubtedly, though, some players wouldn't have made the cut this year, but are there any players in particular you feel wouldn't have been contenders this year, but will be next year, Dylan? Well, I'm, I'm always going to have to say Mason Greenwood. What a player. His finishing ability is probably one of the best I've seen from a youngster like him. He's got everything to him, everything to his game. Give him one more year and just watch how, how, how well he would develop. Definitely Mason Greenwood. When you, spoke about about a, when you spoke about a red who could be there, I'm going with a blue and I'm going with Phil Foden. Yeah. In a, next year should be his big year. We know that City aren't going to plan on signing a David Silver replacement. Phil Foden is the David Silver replacement. And um, given Silver's leaving this year, he's got all of next season to, to have a full-on proper cemented run in the team at showing all these glimpses of form to keep showing us in the last couple of seasons and put it all in there and make himself a really big player not just for City next season but potentially a really big and key part of England's uh, European Championship side next year in the hope that um, he kind of makes Gareth Southgate think because I feel like he's almost there he's knocking on the door he hasn't yet got in there so there's Phil Foden um, also going to talk about a couple of Chelsea players I think there's three yeah. to highlight there Mason is. Mount's another midfielder like Phil Foden who was uh, exceptional at the at the um at the World Cup for the youngsters um, in the last couple of years. Um, certainly expect he will probably be in there next year. Yeah, um, Probably got... would have been in the squad, just not playing this year. Um, uh, got... There's a couple of other Chelsea players. Tamori, I think, as a centre-back. He's, uh, I've seen some really good glimpses of him uh, this season. And if you give him one more year, he might uh, establish himself as the, uh, the rock pairing um, with another Chelsea. And Frank does... Uh, choose different centre-back pairings each game. So uh, mm-hmm. it might be hard to establish himself there. And, and one which uh, you want to point out from Chelsea, they've got a, a good set of uh, England youngsters. Chelsea. Yeah, I want to go with Tammy Abraham and also uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi because they've both had a chance playing in friendlies and stuff and um, qualifiers. And they've played all right, but I feel there's a lot of um, attacking prowess for England currently. But I think if they have a really good season next year, like they should do once um, Lampard's invested in the transfer in the transfer window finally and got some players around to support that core um, striking part, attacking partnership which involved those two, they're going to like Foden, Mason Mount really be contenders to not just get in the squad, but yeah. probably also be in that starting lineup and competing with the likes of Harry Kane. Because personally, although he's had injuries, Kane's not been great this year. And unless he gets no. a move away somewhere, which I think he needs, because the difference between Harry Kane and Sergio Aguero personally is going to be trophies and um, at the yeah. end of their careers. <laughs> and he's going to have to move and get some trophies somewhere or another. So silverware is key for Kane. And maybe this summer is his chance to go get that somewhere to make short and cement his place as England's number 10. Because if he doesn't, there's going to be trouble. Yeah, he's a, he's a very good uh, player, kid, but he does need that, that getaway to uh, really establish himself and uh, be credited by applaudits. Because I just don't think he's got that amount of respect playing for Tottenham. So uh, definitely the likes of Real Madrid have been interested in him, uh, according to sources, and also Manchester United. But I, I just don't think United will splash the cash on their Kane, considering their uh, their 
pursue on Sancho. Now then, we can finally launch to you another weekly feature of TFHD called Player Picker. On the playground, arguing which player is better is something everyone enjoys doing, so we are ready to bring it to the podcast. Each week, Dylan and I will have 60 seconds to argue why we feel a certain player is better, and then we will ask you to vote across social media, at TFHD on Instagram and Twitter, to determine the winner. This week, we are going with two of Manchester's finest attackers, with the question, who was better in their prime? Wayne Rooney or Sergio Aguero? Harry, you can start arguing Aguero. Well, Sergio Aguero is still in his prime, personally. But um, this is why I think he's better. So, um, he scored 254 goals uh, overall in 368 appearances. And um, he's City's all-time top goal scorer now. Um, he came in, his first game, he made his impact. You knew he was going to be incredible. And you knew he was going to be something great for not just the Premier League, but Manchester City especially. Um He's got 43 goals against the top six. Um, that is ridiculous, as in to be a big game player is so important as a striker. And so many games in which City have won, especially in the last couple of seasons where City was so good against the top six. It was often him coming up with the big goals. Um, so he's averaging a goal every 0.69 in the Premier League. Um, to score a goal every 0.69 goals a game is ridiculous. So it's almost as if you're scoring a goal every single game, which is quite like his like. He scored 30-plus Premier League goals on five occasions. Um, There's your 10-second warning. Um, so what can I say? He's constantly improving. Um, under Mancini, his goals rate was every 101 minutes. Pellegrini, 99. And under Pep, it is 99.8. So he is rapidly improving with a 64% win percentage and winning seven of his eight finals. Sergio Aguero is definitely a better striker than Wayne Rooney. Okay, thank you very much, Harry. Um, so there is my argument on Sergio Aguero. Um, now it's time for yours on Wayne Rooney, Dylan. So uh, when you're ready. Okay, thank you, Harry. So I think Wayne Rooney is much better than Sergio Aguero because he's a more complete forward, saying that he can drop in deep, he can play on the wing, he's more versatile, he can play in more positions, and he's also very clinical. So in his 49, 491 Premier League appearances, He's shared 208 goals and 103 assists. Only big, only 54 big chances he's missed compared to Aguero's 125. And and with his through balls and his crosses, it's 1,083 and 258, meaning that he creates a lot more chances than Aguero. His defending is much better than Aguero with his 46 blocks and 206 interceptions. First of all, I want to talk about his, him being England's all-time top scorer and Man United's all-time top scorer. His, his trophy cabinet is one times Player of the Year, five times PL, one times CL, one times FA Cup, four times League Cup, one times Europa League, five Community Shields, showing that he's a very, very decorated player. And also, he's got 52 goals to be the so-called Big Six. And he plays behind just the main striker at times, meaning that that is quite an incredible record. And he's very effective. Five seconds. Passes and his passing ability is unmatched. Thank you very well, much. Yeah, I mean, I think that was interesting because although Rooney's got 208 career goals, um, you'd expect that to be overtaken by Aguero, who currently sits third. Um, he would, he's yes. not too far off Andy Cole and he's not too far off Wayne Rooney. But I suppose that'll just see how he does in his final season. So how was that? Who did you prefer? Check out our social media at TFHD pod on um, Instagram and Twitter um, and vote for who you who you want to win the first ever vote player pick and we will announce the results forward. 
and we will announce the results on next week's podcast. Our final topic for discussion today is on Neymar. And would the PSG superstar be as successful if he played in the Premier League? Harry, what do you think then? No, I'm actually really like certain on this. Neymar would not be as good a player as he is and has been in La Liga and um, in France if he were in the Premier League. He he's an incredible he's an incredibly talented, skillful player skillful player. But his traits would not work. He's not good enough. Um, personally, his shooting accuracy levels are ridiculously low um, Is the, compared to that. And you've got to be clinical in the Premier League. On top of that, you've got to be physical. And his attitude doesn't just stink, but he really lacks physicality. You don't want someone like him who's always falling to the ground and behaving really quite badly and disrespectfully um, in the Premier League. I feel like he would be a good addition in some ways, but personally, he wouldn't be as good a player as he is now. It would ruin his reputation. And um, quite frankly, I don't think we need him because of the money he wants and everything. I don't think anyone would buy him. I'm not sure about you. Okay, right. So this is my opinion on Neymar. I think he's behind Messi and Ronaldo, yes, and behind Mbappe. But he would play well in the Premier League, if not better than he does in La Liga and in the French League One. I'm saying this because have you seen his attributes? He's skillful. He's quick. He's got everything it takes to be in the Premier League and he's he's just a phenomenal talent and he's got phenomenal skill sets. Like, for example, you said he lacks physicality, but so does Eden Hazard. And look at the way he, with his low centre of gravity, tore up the Premier League. And his record against Premier League, Premier League teams aren't even that bad as like, it's something like two goals and four assists in, in six games for, front, for when he was playing for PSG. And 100% goal involvement in every single game he's played is it's just I, I really good I can't I can't I can't agree I, I just feel that I, first I don't think I know what Premier League side would take a player like him but um I just I, I there's no doubting how good he is and I, he's incredibly talented and he's really like it's incredible to watch him mesmerizing to watch but I don't see him one suiting or adapting to the Premier League well but then as I said before his attitude is not great um, and he does like the physicality he loves to drop to the ground he loves to try and dive and that isn't yeah, something one enough. we want in the Premier League and two something that he should be bringing to the Premier League because I'm not going to lie if you imagine him going somewhere like can you imagine Neymar against Burnley doesn't work Yo, he would oh, just he'd, be falling to the ground flopping it would be a nightmare he would, he would... Or that they would target him. Like when you mm-hmm. see the Rashford, Rashford played against Burnley back in December, and James as well. Every single attack, they were, they were brought down and, mm-hmm. and fouled. It, I don't. No, it wouldn't work against teams like Burnley. I mean, the problem. That's the thing. I think the Premier League is a really physical league, and I don't it think is. he would have that ability just because. He's more skillful, pass it around, spacious football. And yeah, that isn't something you, you get every week in the Premier League. Because when you go to places like Burnley, like Wolves and stuff, they these are teams that will defend hard and hit you hard on the break. And that isn't something I can see him being able to play against very well. And therefore, I think if he wants to keep his reputation of one of the world's best and football's best, he needs to stay away from the yeah. likes of the Premier League. Not that he would come, but I just don't feel he's the sort of person who would really do much himself to the Premier League even though he would be an incredibly good star signing and from a media perspective be someone really good to have in the Premier League I see where you're coming from here but you've got to he's he's on the level of Messi Ronaldo 
those those players aren't phased by adaptions. They can adapt everywhere. For example, Ronaldo when he came to United, he adapted very quickly. Then when he went to Real Madrid, adapted very quickly. And now he's really adapted to the to the the slow league of the Serie A and and, and the uh, the hard defenders that they have there. So undoubtedly, Neymar would do really well in the Premier League, considering his ability. And his his mindset. I think he's matured as a player in the last few years. What club and, would he and, go to? Where do you well, see where if Neymar I, were to have that, that's to the Premier problem. League? Where that's would you see him? That's the problem. I I wouldn't see him anywhere at the minute, but Liverpool. Let's say but one of Mane or Salah leave to go to uh, Real Madrid or Barcelona because there have been links there. Neymar coming into Liverpool, I feel like he'd fit well, really well. Him linking up with either Mane or Salah would uh, so Neymar would work or Sancho. Wonders. You can only have one. Well, for United, I'm because going that's Sancho. the thing. No, but I'm thinking of I would rather have Sancho actually prove himself in the Premier League than have someone like Neymar come. Even um, ne- Haaland Neymar's could come to the Premier League signing. and probably be better than Neymar would. He's a big signing. He's, he's, a, he's a bigger signing than Sancho, but Sancho would have more of an impact considering he is English and he has grown up watching the. Uh, the English game and playing the English game at grassroots and uh, academy level. So definitely Sancho. But Neymar's more of the marquee signing where fans would buy the shirts and he would be more more um, thought of than Sancho. And he would be a higher higher earner and a um, higher market value than Sancho. But definitely Sancho for United anyway. Well then, sadly, that is it. The first ever Talking Football podcast with Harry and Dylan. We hope you've had as much fun as we have and you'll join us for our next episode. In the meantime, feel free to check out and get involved on our Instagram and Twitter page at TFHDpod, uh, where, as well as all the stuff we're going to have on there, you can vote and have your decision on the player pick debate from earlier on. Who did you prefer, Sergio Aguero or Wayne Rooney? Right. Thank you very much, guys. And thank you for listening. And I hope you join us for our next episode. Yeah, Dylan's closely right. You've been listening to Talking Football with Harry and Dylan. Stay safe, stay well. Hashtag TFHD, hashtag Playgrounds Podcast. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.